Hey everyone, my online course on the rehabilitation of the fitness athlete with Dan Pope is on sale this week. If you want to work with higher level fitness athletes and help people get back into the gym after an injury, this is the course for you. Head to MikeRandall.com slash fitathlete to learn more and sign up this week. On this episode of the Ask Mike Reinald Show, we talk about using isometrics for tendinopathy. The Ask Mike Reinald Show. Helping people feel better, move better, and perform better. Before we get to the podcast, I wanted to make sure you knew about my free online course on the introduction to performance therapy and training. If you want to learn how to get started optimizing and enhancing performance, this is the course for you. Head to MikeReynolds.com slash performance to sign up today. Welcome back, everybody, to the latest episode of the Ask Mike Reynolds Show. I'm here with the crew, Champion P Team Performance. We're some of the crew now. Jeez, we're growing more and more, right, Len? I mean, it's some of the crew now. Like, we don't even we don't even have enough space to contain everybody in one podcast yeah, did anymore. We, did, so. did, did we ban a couple of the therapists? <laughs> where, where no I ban, but I mean, I, I feel like Zoom gave us this, this artificial nine-person limit, right? The Brady that, Bunch. Yeah, we got to be Brady Bunch only. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, I, I want to be inclusive, but like, I don't know, I think we got a good thing going here. I think, you know, it's something you graduate to, right? Maybe our, uh, we'll, we'll have that as part of their reviews, um, as they, as they get, as they get going. But anyway, uh, I'm here again. We got Lisa Lowe, Mike Scudo, Jonah Monlock, uh, Dwesh Podell, Dan Pope, and Dave Tilly all here. Oh, and Lenny McCray. I knew I'd forget one. See, I was trying to go all around. Anyway, uh, we're here answering your questions. Len, who do we have for students today? We have students. Um, they uh, have been with us for a, a week now, I think, right? A couple of weeks or something. Yeah. Um, we have uh, Nancy Kuhn, Nancy Kuhn from Mary Baldwin University in the beautiful state of Virginia, the Commonwealth of Virginia. And we have Courtney Cambarellis from Uville, Uville University in Buffalo, New York. I think they've already gotten like 100 inches of snow and it's all melted. It's something like ridiculous. That it's like unfortunately crazy. only on one polo they wear one polo every day in the clinic so this is why <laughs> wow called out okay wow yeah just yeah wow Gart. that's uh yeah one okay. polo for eight weeks <laughs> yeah i mean i you know buffalo seems like a great town but man they're, they're always Bad. on the news with like an epic snowstorm my brother right? lives in watertown and he got five and a half feet of snow it's yeah, like, like lake like, effect snow yeah but then it melts. It somehow it's like I think it's a soft picture. It's like gone. I don't even know how it's physically possible. Global warming. That's actually that's actually kind of cool. Not the global warming right. part, but the, yeah. like to, 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 to have five feet of snow and then it be gone. Like you know, that's actually that you get all the benefits of snow without like the Boston like brown yeah. snow yeah. for three months. Like, Remember when we had snow farms till like April because there was so much snow. Like in two thousand eighteen, right. <laughs> just like one foot per week. We yes. Yeah. Anyway. All right. We, we digress. Uh, what, what do we have? What Nancy, what do we have for a question today? All right. So we have Dan from Georgia. I'm seeing a lot of people recommend isometrics for people with tendinopathies like patellar and Achilles tendinopathy. What makes isometrics a better option than just heavy loading? 
Nice. Good job, yeah, Nancy. Did Pope, did Pope submit this question? <laughs> <laughs> I like how Nancy said Dan from Georgia as if she was Dan from Georgia with a Southern right, right. But, but then Georgia. from Georgia. Like for, at first, I was like, wow, she's going to read the whole question with the, with the Southern accent. But then, then she... Hey, y'all, I'm saying a lot of people with Achilles standing up. <laughs> Virginia, Nancy. <laughs> <laughs> this, is a, this is a terrible episode. I, I apologize to the listeners. So, listen, so we're going to hit this one strong because we started so poorly. But you know, Dan, I I like this question because I actually I'm seeing this a lot. This is we're seeing this a lot in the baseball world with the shoulder too, where like people like oh isometrics, like as if an isometric is like a new concept. They're like you know this is a big deal. But um, tell us a little bit about this, Dan, because I do think there's some confusion on the internet, right? You can find a study that shows anything, right? And I know there's some studies that show isometrics are helpful for tendinopathy, uh, but I, I feel like in isolation, that's just like a very, um, you know, that's almost like a, a one-sided discussion. But so, Dan, you want to start with this one because I feel like I've, I've seen you talk about this recently online, but tell me a little bit about isometrics for tendinopathy in, you know, in general and what your thoughts are here. Yeah, for sure. I think this is pretty confusing, especially for new grads coming out, right? Because there's all these studies coming out about tendinopathy and it's, it's almost like people just use the treatment that's most hot at the time. Um, I think most of this research was popularized by Ebony of Rio. So the original research um, that people are most familiar with is probably in the patellar tendon. So essentially what she was looking at was an isometric contraction versus like isotonics, right? So regular knee extensions versus an isometric which one was best for cortical inhibition and also pain reductions. And this was in the short term. So they were looking, I think initially like 45 minutes afterward to see if those reductions in pain stuck around. And they were really strong. Like they reduced their pain by like six to seven uh, on a zero to 10 scale on a VAS. And they also reduced cortical inhibition better than the isotonics, right? And then we try to reproduce this in other studies and other areas too, like the Achilles tendon. Um, Ebony Rio did this research in the Achilles tendon and she found similar results. Other people did not, <clears throat> uh, meaning that the isotonics were just as good as isometrics, right? So generally speaking, the isometrics were really helpful for reducing pain. Um, isotonics were a little less um, good at reducing pain. And then future research was a little bit mixed, right? Um, I think the, the really important thing to keep in mind is that this research was all acute changes in pain. It's not long-term. And the same folks that are doing this research in isometrics are not saying use isometrics for long-term pain relief. They're saying use other forms like eccentrics, heavy, slow loads, right? Um, so generally speaking, isometrics can be helpful for reducing pain for your athletes or whoever you're dealing with, but it's not really the long-term outcome that's supported in the literature, Right. And the other part is that, you know, think from a specificity perspective, like isometrics are not always going to be the best for getting your athletes back to sport. And they're, they're probably really useful in the short term, not necessarily the long term. So um, I just think it's important that folks don't use only isometrics, right? When they're writing a complete rehab program, and it's not the only tool. And they're powerful, maybe for some folks, but um, only for short term relief, right? Mostly. So I like I that though. I, 
I, I think you brought up a really good point though here too, because I think I think if you look at the evolution of some of these studies, and I may be slightly off with this, but it's almost like, you know, some studies were published that showed isometrics were really good at tendinopathy. Like, oh, awesome, great. Then there were some studies that showed, you know, eccentrics are great with tendinopathy. Like, oh, that's great. That's amazing. Then then studies come out like, well, just heavy loading is good for tendinopathy. Like, oh, great. That's that's amazing, right? And we've evolved like over time. Like it, it, I, I think to me, it's the part that got me at the beginning with the isometrics. When you're doing an isometric, you, when we do it post-op, right, it's like 10, 20% of a max contraction. You're just doing it to get the, the muscles to, to fire. But if you're doing it at a max contraction, I mean, that's actually, that's, that's a lot of effort. That's actually pretty good. So if you do a study that compares like basic isotonic exercises, like straight leg raises and like gentle, like ankle weight exercises with an aggressive isometric, I think there's a big difference. So for me, I thought it was really cool to start to see the literature going towards the heavy loading concept that, you know, it's, it's, it's more about that loading. So um, I like that, but I like how you brought up the concept with pain. Because if there is a benefit, right, I think that would be a really neat one. So so hit on that one real quick again for me, Dan, because I want to reemphasize that a little bit. But what was the specific protocol for that? Like, so how do you use isometrics if you want to decrease pain and a tendinopathy? What's the what's the method? Yeah, so um, I think it's a little challenging to reproduce in a clinic, right? Because they're looking at MVIC. It's not like you can just like throw electrodes on every single person in the clinic and figure out how hard they're supposed to push, you know? Um, so it's 70% of someone's max MVIC. And I believe the knee was at 60 degrees of knee flexion, pushing against an isometric load. Um, five sets of 40, I think it was 45 seconds, 40 or 45 seconds, 70%. So obviously you can kind of load up a super heavy isometric, maybe on a knee extension machine, or like I will even just do that against a wall. So basically sit against the wall and push against the wall, toe against the wall and just push. I tell people 70% of your max for 40 seconds, five sets. We do that prior to exercising, but a couple thoughts here, right? So we know you don't have to reduce all of your pain in order to train, right? So from a physical therapy perspective, I use the pain monitoring system a lot, right? So basically speaking, if your pain isn't above about a five out of 10, next day you're back to baseline, the pain's not that important, right? So if, if you want to use isometrics to reduce pain, great, but working through a little bit of pain isn't necessarily a bad thing. What I'll do with my patients is that I'll try isometrics. And if they're working great, they're getting a great benefit from it, and they feel I can do a lot more during the session, then I think that's a big win. Right. And the same thing goes for a sport. If you have an athlete that's having a hard time competing, let's say a basketball player, volleyball player with patellar tendinopathy, you do the isometrics, they feel great when they're playing. Awesome. That's amazing. Uh, but you don't necessarily need it. It's not like you need to start with your isometrics all the time, but it'd actually be, be very uh, valuable in that patient that's having a hard time doing functional activities because they have so much pain. So you start them with some isometrics, and if it works well, then you go from there. Um, just keep in mind that isotonics also work well too. So I'll, I'll even try things like sissy squats, reverse sled drags, that type of thing, and patellar tendinopathy prior to exercising, because that is also very helpful to warm up the tendon. Tendons generally have a warmth effect. So I think they're really useful in folks prior to exercising, but you may have someone who's beyond that point. You only have so much time in a given PT session. And sometimes we skip it because they don't need it. They're feeling pretty good. Their pain levels are minimal and the pain's not altering the way they move. And you know, so I think it's a judgment call based on the PT and, you know, what they need. Um, but it can be a valuable tool, but it's just that it's just, you know, Len loves this term, but it's another tool in your toolbox. You know what I mean? 
again, great stuff, Dan. I mean, I, I, I think that concept is something that people don't understand. 70% max effort for 45 seconds is a ton. That's a lot. That's a that's a big <laughs> contraction, right? So I, I, I think people need to understand that a little bit. And I, I've seen this applied poorly in lots of ways. I've seen people with like, you know, chronic patellar tendinopathy and they're they're doing like pussy squat holds like every day. And they're like, yeah, no, it's, it seems like it's getting worse. I'm like, yeah, yeah, maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe it's because of what you're doing. Right. So, um, you know, I, I, I've seen people like almost apply this wrong, you know what I mean? Like, or, or I don't know, in a different fashion, but I don't know. Have you seen that? Oh, I just want to jump in real quick. This is funny because I kind of experienced this myself. So I think it was 2015 when the study came out initially and it, you know, I was hot on it. It was like, oh, great. I can apply this to every tendon, you know, and I had some really bad Achilles tendinopathy. It just flared up. I'm like, all right, let's try some isometrics. And it just flared my my Achilles tendon up so much. <laughs> and there's a follow-up study. It was a similar protocol with a calf raise for Achilles tendinopathy. And it was like majority of people got worse with the isometrics, right? And it was kind of cool because the study had like a scatter plot of folks that did the isometrics. And it was interesting to see because they had a whole, bu- whole bunch of people did extremely well. And a whole bunch of people did a lot worse afterwards. And at least in my mind, I'm like, oh, okay, we're reading research. We're looking at the averages. So generally speaking, like some folks are going to do phenomenal with this and some folks aren't. So you just give it a shot. And then if it does, you know, find some effect, great. Just keep in mind, you're looking for that short-term effect. So if it's not giving you that short-term effect, then it's, you know, why use it, you know? Right. I like it. Dave, what do you think? Yeah. I just want to jump in because we're actually studying a lot of these links between, um, in gymnastics, there's a lot of Achilles ruptures in gymnastics. And so me and my research partners are kind of reverse engineering some advice from Joe Cook, which is like, you know, healthy tendons don't tear. So that we're looking a lot at like, maybe there's a predisposer when they're younger on tendinopathies. And I think the really important point here is people have to remember is that we study textbooks and anatomy of things kind of in like one plane, but tendons in particular have to take a lot of 3d stress. And so I think when we do something and we look at an exercise, like the Achilles, for example, like, yes, there's a lot of obviously dorsiflexion when someone's backpedaling or running, which is where a lot of these they're jumping and landing. But like, we also have to remember that, like, it's not only like that straight sagittal plane, right? There's a lot of like rear foot eversion, for example, and like tibial pronation, which causes you know, medial tendon overload in an Achilles. So a lot of that, like, you know, shearing stress starts to get really, really pr- uh, pronounced with deeper angles of a joint. So uh, a knee, for example, in a really deep knee bend, there's a lot of shearing stress on the patellar tendon and on an Achilles when you're backpedaling or jumping and landing or running, there's a lot of like rotational and shearing sp- uh, stress. And we think that maybe, you know, that like overload to the medial tendon causes a tendinopathy and they get older and like, you know, things kind of come together. And then maybe it's the medial tendon that's actually tearing. So when you give someone isometrics, you're controlling a lot of the degrees of freedom in, in certain planes. You're not really having someone go super deep, like in an insertional tendinopathy versus a mid substance. It's a similar phenomenon that maybe somebody can't tolerate a really deep joint angle and just doing like a, a mid neutral plantar, plantar flexion isometric, or like Dan was saying, at a certain degree of, of 60 degrees or whatever, maybe by controlling some of the angle, it just makes someone feel better. And so there's like a mechanical idea, but also maybe someone's just activating their tendon and their quad and loading it a ton. And it's the first time it hasn't been like raging amounts of pain. So maybe that's more like a pain science layer, but I think a lot of those studies kind of look at the overlap, like what can we control as an entry point to load? Love it. Yeah. I think that's, that's a a great way of thinking of it right there and a great way of thinking about tendinopathy in general. Right. So I wish it were as simple as just performing like one quick exercise and and that's the easy way out of everything. But um, to me, it's all about layering everything into, you know, a, a, a comprehensive program 
that make sure that we're doing all this, you know, all planes of motion, depths of the tendon, like Dave said, putting it all together with heavy load, eccentric load, plyometric load, you're right. There's like so much that needs to go into this. So uh, isometrics are a tool, you know, don't, don't get caught up thinking that isometrics are, you know, the end all be all, but and they're very helpful adjunct to things that we can do um, if you use it appropriately. So um, great stuff. Thanks, Dan. Appreciate that question. Um, if you have a question like that, head to MikeReynolds.com, click on uh, the podcast link, and you can type in uh, your question in our little form. And we'll keep doing these as much as you guys keep asking questions. So thanks so much. Uh, head to Apple Podcast, Spotify, and be sure to subscribe. And we'll see you in the next episode. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. If you have a question you'd like us to answer, head to MikeRinal.com slash podcast and fill out the form to submit your question. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. And please share this with your friends to help spread the word. It would really mean so much to us. Please check out all my online courses, articles, newsletter, and more at MikeRinal.com. There's always a ton of great perks for my newsletter subscribers. And be sure to check for my other podcast, the Sports Physical Therapy Podcast, where I go deep into topics and interview leaders within our field. See you on the next episode.